0: Welcome to One Hour in the Past, a new podcast series presented by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Center and hosted by me, Adrian Petrie, Visitor Services Coordinator here at the museum, and Kathleen Powell, Curator and Supervisor of Historical Services. Before we get into today's podcast episode, we would like to acknowledge that we are recording today's podcast at the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Center, which we acknowledge is part of the traditional territory of the Neutrals. Haudenosaunee, and Anishinaabe peoples, and their allies, and is adjacent to the six nations of the Grand River.
1: As museum professionals, our jobs are many folds. We've got, you know, managers, curators, interpreters, researchers, and much, much more. Uh, We found, Adrian and I, meaning we, found ourselves pining for uh, some of the more interesting and kind of wild history that you sometimes come across so here's our podcast here's how it works uh adrian and i select a topic then we go away and we have one hour to research the topic with the end goal to see how far down the rabbit hole of research we can go
0: so here we go are you ready to head down the rabbit hole and see where one hour in the past has taken us let's go
1: Adrian, our first topic for research this week was hats. It
0: was? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I knew it was hats. (laughs) Oh, no, I researched the wrong thing. A super cool topic. So, Kathy, why did we pick hats for this first topic?
1: Other than loving hats, the real uh, thing that we're celebrating is the opening of the Welland Canal coming up in not too long from now, in about a week and a half or so. So what
0: does the opening of the Welland Canal have to do with
1: hats? The traditional opening of the Welland canal is ha- happens with a ceremony called the top hat ceremony Ooh, <laughs> which is happening hats. on march 29th at 10 a.m here at the uh, the museum and Welland canal center and really it's just a, a throwback to uh when men wore top hats uh william hamilton Merritt's day essentially mm-hmm. uh, when they were wearing top hats and to celebrate something you'd doff your hat and so really the top hat ceremony kind of goes back to that idea Um, And so, really, we chose hats this week to pay homage to uh, the opening of the Welland Canal, which for us is kind of the start of our busy season and uh, a really awesome time of the year because we know spring is here when the top hat ceremony happens.
0: All right. So, according to the dictionary, and I love this definition, (laughs) a hat is a shaped covering for the head, warm for warmth, Uh, As a fashion item or as part of a uniform, it is also used to refer to a particular role or occupation of someone who has more than one role or occupation. Um, So air quotes, wearing her scientific hat, she is a director of a pharmacology research group, air quotes. Um, The same could be said for museum professionals and interpreters. We wear so many hats. Yeah, um, I've heard that many, many times. Many, many hats. Different but,
1: meetings where you're wearing this hat in this meeting and this hat in yes, this meeting. Let yes. me
0: take off my...
1: Your metaphorical hat.
0: And put on my <laughs> other hat. Yes, <laughs> metaphorical hat. Oh my goodness. So many different types of hats. Um, but I found the entomology of the word actually kind of interesting because um, it was listed right under the dictionary um, definition. But I was like, oh, that's really cool. So, uh, hat derives from the old English word I don't know how to pronounce it, but H-A-E-T-T so it could be hat, or it could be hayet or heyet like um, we could probably ask a Shakespearean person to pronounce that for us um, and then that word uh, is Germanic in origin and then it's also related to the old Norse word H-O-T-T-R which probably is pronounced something like hoot. Hurter or something like that. (laughs) Because there's an accent on the O, so it's probably something like that. Um, And that word is the word for hood. Right. So when you see it visually, it's heyat and hood equals hat. Right. So there we go. There we are. Entomology 101. (laughs) That's pretty cool. So, Kathleen, you go first. Where'd you end up?
1: Well, like all... Things I started with a book to see where that would take me, and I started with the Saint Catharines history book because I wanted to kind of look at what can we think find about hats in Saint Catharines. So this Saint Catharines, uh, Canada's canal city, this big red book written by John Jackson and Sheila Wilson, which is kind of like the Bible of Saint Catharines history, For as you sure. know. Yeah. Um, I kind of flipped through it since I only had an hour, yeah, I flipped through quickly to yeah. see what could I find as hats. First of all, there was nothing in the index,
0: so there's no hats in the index,
1: right, which so is like
0: you know so typical, right? like you expect a uh, you'd like for books to be able to be like the internet and just answer your question about random objects, especially <laughs> if it's a historical <laughs> thing like i've i've had I've run into the same problem where it's like. Why doesn't this random book about the railroad talk about...
1: Hats. Hats,
0: <laughs> for to sake.
1: Well, exactly. So it is not super surprising that hats were not noted in the index. However, things I noticed flipping through this book quickly. A. William Hamilton <laughs> Merritt is not wearing his, a hat in his statue downtown. So you know William Hamilton Merritt's big statue right down by the Burgoyne Bridge. Yeah. Is like iconic. He's not wearing a hat, which I think is kind of interesting because we always associate the opening of the canal with the hat. I wonder the top if that's hat. because
0: like the main portrait that we have, the main two portraits that we have of him, he doesn't have a hat
1: on. Perhaps he's supposedly indoors in those portraits and in the sta- on the but, statue uh, he's very much outdoors. He's, he's wearing got a cape. cloak yeah. and yeah. Yeah so I thought that was interesting that, that picture interesting, was in yeah. there that was kind of the first picture I came across of a prominent person with no hat Right. which was interesting Especially
0: from a time period where you would definitely wear a hat like right. Beau Brummel was all about hats right same time period yes like the dandy uh, yeah the dandy look uh, William at Hamilton the t-
1: Merritt was a little bit later I guess yeah and I guess that statues
0: 1850s I guess like it's the his older, image of him older yeah.
1: version of William Hamilton Merritt what were uh, Hats like the in the
0: 1850s now? then, no? just everybody like, wore
1: hats so that takes me to the second photo that uh-huh. I came across that I thought was super interesting related <laughs> to hats, which I'm going to open so that you can see it. Nice. And I'm sorry to our uh, reader or viewers, listeners we'll who on are the, on uh, this. We'll put it in the to this But if you episode. have this book, you could also look it up. On page 81 it was this amazing picture of the Great Western Railroad oh, yes. coming into St. Catharines. And all the men are wearing super cool
0: hats.
1: Yes. And many of them are wearing... Light-colored top hats, yes. which I found really interesting because usually we associate the top hat with a black, shiny, yeah. nicely brushed hat, and these are a light... They look... It's black and white photo, so yeah. it's hard to tell, but they look like a tan color, you know? From like a gray, summer top tan, hat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know? <laughs> and then Absolutely. if you flip to... Some of them to, are tall, too. Like, yeah. there's
0: And actually, in this photo, there's like one, two, three, four... Five, six, seven, eight, nine, maybe ten different types of hats. Yeah. In a photo of like what twenty guys? But pretty much Not everyone's even. wearing a hat. Yeah. Which is.
1: Really yeah. Great. For sure. Um, if you uh, flip to the next tab on the bottom there, which is page <laughs> two hundred five. Yep. Um, it has yes. a picture on the top. Is the St. Catherine's Wheel Men's Association, which is a cycling club in St. Catherine's from 1882 yeah. and this goes to the idea of hats to create group identity Oh, compared cool. to the, gra- the great western railway picture where right. everyone's wearing their own hat and so yeah. it's kind of a fashion thing yeah. this is hats to do with identity and all right. these guys are wearing the same bowler type hat yeah so I thought that was really neat wow. um, and below that there's oh my a gosh. picture of I've never seen this picture um, before this is amazing what does it say? It's the fire it's truck, these, right? Uh,
0: this one? Yeah, what is the This picture? is the cycling was all the oh, rage right. in the 1880s. Here members of the Garden City Bicycle Club pose outside the courthouse in their uniforms with their machines, and they're all penny-farthing bicycles.
1: Oh, right. Yeah, yeah.
0: But they've all got, like, bellboy hats on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, again, hats as group identity. You for
0: sure have to be in uniform to be part of this club.
1: And then the last one, if you flip to it, oh, is yes. a picture on page 225 of, uh, again, hats for group identity, yeah. uh, but also goes to the idea of hats uh, with regards to uniforms. And it has a whole group of women from the Red Cross drill team from around the time of the First World War. That's yeah. at the top. And then yeah. below that, I think, is the uh, the, the Girl, Girl Scouts or yeah. Girl Guides. Yeah. Um, and these women are all wearing what to me looks like uh, if you were to take a pocket handkerchief and, full, and make a knot in each corner and then put it on as a hat. That's what these women look like they're wearing <laughs> in the top picture. But in actual fact, it's basically just a square or a circular piece of fabric that's been sewn with uh, almost like a, a band around it, like Kinda pulled like together a, like, like a, a mob cap. Almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but not uh,
0: very.
1: It's not a very attractive not hat. Not
0: flattering at all. So. And actually, there's a couple of like variations where some of the bands are bigger, and then some of the girls have them in different parts of their faces. So some of them are like at the back of their head, yeah. and like there's one lady here whose the hat's just so big it looks like a, a big one of those big hats from the '70s. And it's sitting on the back of her head, and then some of the other girls have them like way down <laughs> to their eyes.
1: Yes. So <laughs> this led me on a little bit of a um, a rabbit hole to go with the utility of hats. Ooh. So hats have many things, many utilities, okay. uh, jobs, which you've already talked about. Yep. So you might wear your hat based on your career. So firemen, policeman, whatever. Uh, class. So depending on what class you were, really hats were very class. Uh, oriented. So mostly upper class people wore top hats, mm-hmm. but lower class people did generally did not wear top hats. It was a more of a bowler style or a straw hat or something like that. You might wear your hat uh, for some sort of utilitarian reason. So these women that are doing the drill team were probably wearing that hat because they were probably getting all sweaty and they needed something to keep their hair from going crazy, which I do when I exercise. <laughs> I wear a hat to yep. keep my hair from going crazy. (laughs) You might wear your hat based on your ethnicity. So actually, walking through a larger uh, city in the 19th century, you might be able to tell someone's ethnicity based on the hat they happen to be wearing. religion might for be, sure. a hat might have something to do with religion so there's two different ways to look at this one would be when you go into a church the bishop wears a mitre yeah um, that kind of hat and yeah. then there's also um you know you see lots of jewish people wearing that little um skull cap kind of hat uh around town uh which shows their religion
0: or for me too like even the act of removing your hat in right. church right like me hat and church associated together is that you can't wear that i at least i couldn't my grandmother used to like beat us if we wore her hat she said to my mom once make sure that it was some other some other kid she didn't even know and three rows up and said make sure that kid takes his hat off so she's
1: like sitting at the back going
0: yeah yeah that, exactly exactly or if you're in a different type like that's very anglican to not wear your hat um, but if you're maybe in a, um, more famously, like a Baptist church or something like that, where the tradition is to wear, for ladies at least, to wear a hat.
1: But even in, church, in the Catholic church, like... I, I grew up Catholic, and yeah. in the Catholic church, women wear their hat in church. Right. In so fact, it's... you were expected to have some sort of head covering yeah. uh, in church Uh, for a long time nowadays it's not really like that but back in the day you would have to have a head covering a scarf or something to cover your head if you were going into church and your crazy big hat would fancy hat that you wore for Sunday church you of course would leave that on as opposed to men would normally take theirs off women would leave theirs on so
0: So. not only is it like a a utilitarian thing or even like a a class thing it's like a there's an action associated with it you know even doffing a cap it's like like respectful or not respectful or there's all these sorts of actions that go along with wearing right. hats, which is wow look at that could be like a whole out. other <laughs> a whole part other of thing, the rabbit yeah. hole so
1: that's kind of where i started do you want yeah. to talk about where you started
0: i i was thinking i was going to tell you where i ended up
1: oh because okay. i think it's
0: kind of an interesting
1: well a- after thing. the utility of hats and the start of the research yeah. i can tell you that my very last little bit of research ended yeah. on um the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds. What? Which we could
0: do. That That is so cool.
1: Which we could go to. And it oh also goes to the Audubon Society. Um, and both of those organizations were actually started at the end of the 19th century, early 20th century, okay. in order to protect birds that were very fashionable for hats. No way. So in the I last that. quarter of the 19th century so 1875 uh, on essentially it was very popular to have not just feathers on your hat but entire birds on your hat yeah so um, like or yeah exactly or um uh, Wings of birds right. on the sides of your hats yeah. or just feathers. feathers yeah. And uh, according to one source that I found in 1902 at an auction in London, England, they sold 1,608 packages of heron plumes that each weighed 30 ounces. Four herons were needed to make one ounce of plumes. So they had to kill 192,960 herons just for that one source oh that was sold at auction. Right. So that gives you kind of a tiny sliver of how many hats had birds on them. In fact, I found a couple of really fun pictures. This one that has like one picture has an entire bird oh on it, gosh. beak and everything. Yeah. And then this woman it's with like a just... beautiful black hat with a giant wing of a bird. Oh, on yeah. the front of it sticking up kind of like a, a sail in the wind. Yeah. Uh, which was incredibly popular. So we'll, the
0: we'll post these on the on the blog sure, um, in the footnotes, but like this one picture of this brown sort of bonnet like hat. It looks like they just took the bird and, like, flattened it onto the hat. That's like, pretty much it looks what they like did. A bird.
1: And apparently they also would sometimes use wires and springs inside the bird on your hat so it looked like it was flying when you walked. Oh, my gosh. It's just kind of creepy and yeah. weird. If you like Harry Potter at all, the movies, yeah. in the one Harry Potter movie, he talks, uh, S- Professor Snape oh, says yes. to... Uh, um, one of the students can you picture your grandmother and he says she wears a hat and when you actually do see her she's wearing a hat with this thing that looks like a giant bird of prey Ex- on the front yeah, of the exactly, <laughs> it's exactly. kind of like that yeah. it was yeah. very fashionable at the end of the 19th century yeah uh, and so the royal society for the protection of birds which is a UK uh, organization a British organization uh, started because of all these people wearing hats with birds on them and they were all about protecting birds and they used to, to find women in organizations like at church and in society and send them insulting letters about how cruel they were being to animals. To, that was kind of its start to uh, um, kind of bring attention to the cruelty being perpetuated on birds. And the Audubon society, which is quite famous, also began uh, in the late 19th century Because they were concerned about birds being killed. Apparently, at least five million wild American birds were being killed annually for hat trimmings. Five million birds. That's crazy. That is crazy. And so, my rabbit hole took me in many different directions, but ended at the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds and the Audubon Society.
0: That's amazing.
1: <laughs> and those
0: their uh, their field guides for birds are really, really good. A lot of people like Peterson's, but the Audubon societies are just as good. like right. it's uh, but that's I, so such an interesting thing that that's how it started because even like like birding today is a lot about conservation because birds can be super sensitive to yeah, the smallest changes. Everything. so that's so cool. And f-
1: thankfully, in nineteen fourteen the change there was a change in fashion, and birds were not as popular. Uh, I couldn't find a whole lot of evidence about why other than just change of fashion and potentially that uh, that was the early 20th century was a time of pretty rampant anti-Semitism. And according to one source, I found uh, that there were many Jewish interests that ran the feather industry. And so there was potentially a connection there, but I don't have a lot of information about it. One hour is not enough to really uh, delve deeply into whether anti-Semitism impacted the fashion for birds and hats right. but it's possible one source did say that so where did you end up so
0: I ended up in two places I ended up at Kernahan Park here in St. Catherine's okay. on Kingston Street um, and I also ended up at the Norfolk estate of the Earl of Leicester called <laughs> Holcomb Hall yeah so that's where I ended up now but
1: how did you start where did you start, did start to get there so
0: um, I started, I don't have many, as many books as Kathleen does in her, uh, in her collection. So I started on the internet <laughs> <laughs> and, um, the first couple of websites that I looked at all gave me Western examples of all the different types of hats, whether it's religious or, or work or fashion, they're really, really Western based. I wasn't seeing much. There's maybe like one or two examples of, of, um, of non-Western hats, but it was really a Western... Uh, starting in the 1750s hat kind of thing so I thought that was interesting that the availability of hat history is really like fur trade based yeah Th- that kind of history really hasn't been being written yet if you think about what kind of history was written in the in the 20th century is not the history of hats so right I guess we have we've identified a couple <laughs> of historiography holes that we can uh, fill at some point the hat research then led me to hat makers because uh, yes. I thought that was really cool. The, like the I touched
1: idea, on that a tiny yeah, bit. Yeah,
0: <laughs> the idea <laughs> of supply and demand and hat economy was really cool, and it links a little bit into like natural resources being used for hats, especially like the beaver beaver pelt industry um, in in North America. The fur trade industry is given uh, almost all the credit for opening up north america to european settlement or exploration so that's kind of important Um, but i didn't really want to talk about that because that's been done you know that chart of all the different types of fur hats that were super popular at that time is on every single book and every single website so i didn't want to talk about that um so i made the conscious decision to go a different direction (laughs) i did the same thing (laughs) (laughs) but it's interesting too like you know like you mentioned that birds stopped being used like on this, like a marked date, and there might be different evidence for for that, uh, for whatever reason that was. Um, it's kind of interesting that, like, a lot of the times um, Prince Albert is given credit for killing the fur trade industry because he liked his top hats to be made out of silk. Ah, yes. So then, like, everybody had to have, and Prince Albert was, you know, a bit of a, I don't not a know it all, but definitely an influencer in society and, like, had a lot of uh, power over. All the gentlemen and fashion in in London society and all in British society so if you make a conscious choice like that you know that everyone's gonna follow suit I
1: did think that there was an interesting parallel between the birds for hats and beavers for hats yeah Uh,
0: so uh, (laughs) so I got into hat making uh, because I sort of thought about like okay well who are the people that are you know making Prince Albert make his decision and then, so I found the uh, company that has the ro- the current, yeah. and has for a long time, uh, the current royal warrant holder for making hats oh, for yeah, awesome. uh, Prince Philip, and for the Prince of Wales, and that company is James Locke and Co. And they actually are the wor- wa- uh, the world's thirty fourth oldest family owned business.
1: That's impressive.
0: Which is really cool. And have
1: they been the, the royal hat makers mm. since...
0: Links to, like, Lord Nelson. So I didn't find any royal connections beyond the current royals, but... Um, well, they, if they go like, back to
1: Nelson, they would probably go back Yeah, to,
0: exactly. Because yeah. um, they were...
1: Before, Wellington
0: them. and Victoria yeah. and, like, all them. So, yeah, I, I would assume that they would be... So they've been in the same location since 1765. Impressive. In London.
1: Nice. Right? Like, <laughs> so you had
0: to survive bombings and development and you're changes building... Changes in
1: fashion. Changes
0: in fashion. You're building being old. Yeah. But I think they were... They definitely got a... a they cornered the market because tons of celebrities have had their hats there. Uh, have, had their hats made there. Laurence Olivier, Charlie Chaplin, Jackie Chan, Cécile Beaton, uh, Alec Guinness, Jeremy Irons, um, Jackie O. Uh, Jackie O'Nassis, um, The Duke of Windsor, as well as the other Royals, Pierce Brosnan, Peter O'Toole, David Beckham, so um, Winston Churchill as well. So like you kind of, if you're going to get a hat, you got to get it from right. James Locke and co.
1: So, so we they can have go... a special, uh, label inside their hat so that when you took off your hat to doff your hat, you could see the label oh, okay. so that people would know that you were <laughs> like flashing yeah. your, uh, your logo. Like mm-hmm. if you're wearing Nike shoes, you De- know, you're yeah. wearing a Locke hat. <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely. And, uh, <laughs> that was, um, that was probably the, like, if you look in, on the inside of the hat, there's that huge badge. It really yeah. doesn't need to be that big. And also the name is on usually in the band on both sides above the ears on the inside. So you can for sure see, see um, that. So, But what I found really interesting, and we could go on and talk about that kind of stuff, but what I found really interesting was that this is the company that originated the bowler hat.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: And that's because um, Edward Cook... Uh, In 1849, the nephew of the Earl of Leicester um, and the uh, nephew and then younger brother of the Earl of Leicester requested a hat to solve the problem of the gamekeeper's headgear because traditional top hats were too fragile and too tall and were getting knocked off by the low branches when they would ride around the estate. So the company commissioned, actually, the London hat makers William and Thomas Bowler to solve the problem. (laughs) And anecdotally, when Cook returned for his new hat, he dropped it on the floor and stamped on it twice to test its strength before paying 12 shillings and leaving satisfied.
1: That's a tough customer to to really uh, please. With if a big they're name. They're going to, like, jump on their hat a couple times before they can... Uh,
0: yeah, reshape it yeah. and then put it on. And, and that's a big name, too, right? Like, Earl of Leicester, like...
1: Yeah, you want that guy's business. I mean, for
0: sure. you got everybody <laughs> else's business. And he's going to show off that hat at all the shooting and all the riding and all yeah. the hunting and all that stuff. He was so.
1: probably a fashionable man about town uh, that yeah. set some fashion as well. Sure. So as soon as he's wearing it, he's like the cool guy. Yeah. Everybody else is wearing that hat too. Yeah.
0: So from there I got into the idea of... Because the bowler hat means so many different things uh, depending on the time you're in. So if you think of like... Um, uh, I forget his name, but... Um, the dad in Mary Poppins, the dad in Mary Poppins is a banker, and they have a nice fancy London townhouse, but he wears a bowler. He doesn't wear a top hat, but it's the time period of, what, the 20s, 30s kind of thing. So when did it get fancy? Because...
1: Yeah, it was utilitarian before that. Originally,
0: it's for writing. Yeah. So when did it get fancy? It's kind uh, kind of an interesting fashion trend. So that's what led me to... The settlement of the uh, American West, (laughs) Um, because yeah, you're right. Cowboys didn't wear cowboy hats. That's a thing of what the
1: you can thank movies uh, in the '50s. The artist Frederick Remington,
0: who actually
1: painted many, many portraits, which I'm sure most people have seen, either portraits or uh, bronze statue kind of things of cowboys from the same period Um, but he popularized the stetson as a cowboy hat right most cowboys weren't really wearing that prior to that because the bowler was sturdy and it stayed on your head when you rode yeah essentially (laughs) it was kind of like um, the uh, 19th century version of um, a hard hat right Mm. so it's sturdy and hard and it stays on your head when you walk around around. and when you're doing work yeah uh, but the Stetson kind of had a long floppy brim on it, uh, which probably was great in the sun, but not so great if you get a strong wind or something like that. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't the, the preferred hat, but it became, eventually it became the preferred hat because yeah. it, it was popular in um, paintings and in popular culture. Right. And then it almost like fed on itself until it became that yeah. popular, that popular for, for cowboys.
0: Um, so that made me think when was that change because if it's supposed to be a working riding sort of farming type hat how did that what changed in, in pop culture for it to sort of like everyone adopted that as the sort of fashion and then all of a sudden in the early 20th century you have the same exact hat becoming like the fancy hat that you know, businessmen, politicians, and people downtown are wearing. So I couldn't find that in an hour, unfortunately. So that's one of the the problems with our rabbit hole. you'll find out that it was like street
1: culture that influenced uh, fashion, which happens a lot now. But whether did that happen in the early 20th century? Who
0: knows? Well, I can only, it must have. And the reason for that is because at some point, and I think film did this, um, notorious characters starting being portrayed with, bowler hats right so charlie chaplin and the bowler hat uh billy the kid which was one of those um you know train robber guys um all the the villains of the midwest they all wear bowler hats so something must have happened and it made me think of the ball cap today oh you know,
1: i've got the ball cap on mine on oh, no the way <laughs> yes i love this
0: so the ball cap in the early 20th century is totally different from the ball cap today.
1: Plus, it was just for baseball, really. Plus it
0: was just for baseball, and then maybe like a, like sort of, I'm thinking like a train conductor hat as well. So sure. You might see them on the work site. And um, sometimes
1: you see private school uniforms yes. have like a little baseball what hat. Is that little hat, hat like called? a beanie kind yeah, of thing? Beanie. Yeah,
0: that's right. With a little <laughs> propeller. No, yeah. that's just uh, leave it to be. Yeah. Um, but but. D-
1: then eventually, the baseball hat becomes nowadays like what, everybody wears a baseball like hat
0: baseball hats are super expensive yeah like the top ones that like drake is wearing or whatever um it's what like 80 bucks i well, don't know if like, you
1: go to a store and want to buy a blue jays hat that is bucks. a branded hat yeah. it's going to cost you at least 40 dollars my blue
0: jays hat is 40 dollars
1: so um yeah. but it's Everybody like it's an everyday hat now. Yeah, it's not a a just for sports.
0: But it's people. it's like it's sort of like the same way with the bowler, where it's like changed. Yeah, and it will probably change again. And the purpose for some people for wearing them, like you wear a ball cap when you're working out. So like I wear a ball cap when I'm playing frisbee, um, just because you get so sweaty and <laughs> exactly. you need something to like <laughs> hold, hold yourself together so you don't melt. Um, but then like people wear it specifically as a fashion item. Yeah, and like treat them like. Like you would a top hat, almost, yeah. right? Like there's
1: like etiquette to how you wear them. And for stuff. sure, the way that people yeah. wear
0: a ball cap, you probably take the same amount of care of them as you would as a as a, a top hat. You have to have that little shiny sticker on the on That's under true. the brim. <laughs> yes. So there's so many parallels. Like so, maybe the materials and the shapes and the yeah. cuts and all that stuff has changed, but really, like hat wearing is it hasn't changed perhaps not. All. And, except and, that and less fa- people wear hats and fashion. Yeah, yeah, is not that different. And it, uh, the bowler that we have in the collection here, it belonged to George Doty and it dates from the 40s. And it was made by Moores in London, not Moores Suits, but Moores in London, which I, I don't know, though. I didn't have time to research the connection right. there. But that, speaking of the end of the hat industry, Moores closed in 1977. Right. So, that sounds about uh, they, right. They, they specialized in bowlers, so... But George Dottie, that hat, his hat, he wore specifically for riding, at the uh, St. Catharines Riding and Driving Club horse shows, ah, yes. and that brings us to Kernahan Park because Kernahan Park, uh, part of it anyway, um, there are houses, basically where the where the racetrack is now. But um, Kernahan Park and that part of Queenston is where the uh, St. Catharines. Riding and Driving Club had their annual horse shows from 1928 to about 1964. And it was moved uh, later um, over over near us here on Glendale um, until about the 70s. And that's where the... Um, I guess we're actually ending up at the outlet mall right. because that's the outlet mall is built on top of <laughs> that, the Garden City <laughs> Raceway. So, uh, um, but yeah, from 1928 to 1964 the the horse show was held there and part of the uniform as our friend meredith would know um i don't think they have to wear hats anymore but uh, i think they
1: they do wear hats well Well, they they wear wear, helmets they wear
0: helmets now but the helmets oh my gosh you could talk talk about the helmets and their resemblance (laughs) to a specific style but part of the uniform in a lot of the pictures from the standard collection that are associated with um the hat are uh Bowler hats. Our bowler hats. Even on kids, right. our, our bowler hats. Because
1: they're hard and like a hard hat for so. a hat. There we go. So, a couple of fun facts. <laughs> can we end with some fun facts? For sure.
0: We can totally end with some okay, fun facts. Okay, so two
1: fun facts. One which may make you want to sing or give you an earworm. Oh no. If not sing. Is <laughs> that many women would ensure that they had a brand new hat on Easter Sunday oh. to wear to church on Easter Sunday because and not just wear to church on Easter Sunday but wear in the Easter parade one of my oh, favorite Bing Crosby I love that movie <laughs> is Easter Parade when they're in the movie they so are good in a a buggy he's got his leg up and he's singing uh i don't think it's the easter parade movie i think it's actually in holiday inn uh there's it's in both movies the song but i think the one i'm thinking of is in the movie holiday inn which is actually not a very uh, politically correct movie anymore so you would never see it on tv but uh um in this version of it. He's got like Bing Crosby's got his leg up on the edge like he's calmly driving these horses around with his lovely lady sitting next to him with her beautiful new bonnet for the Easter Parade and singing the song Easter Parade, which I love and Bing Crosby's amazing. So that's one thing and it's it's a true thing in that you would wear you always want to wear a new hat or wear your new outfit on Easter and that included a beautifully trimmed hat. Um, So that's one fun (laughs) fact which I loved Mm -hmm. in my research like I came across so many interesting things I could go on forever and then the last is of course mad as a hatter
0: right so yes
1: um, you know the mad hatter from Alice in Wonderland which goes perfectly with our down the rabbit hole analogy for this (laughs) this podcast
0: great thing to include in the first podcast
1: (laughs) in Alice in Wonderland there's a mad hatter and the idea of the Mad Hatter, which is fictional in that story, actually comes from um, a real thing, in that hats, when they were made, they used mercury in the felting process to make hats, which uh, mercury can cause insanity, um, and cause lots of problems, but insanity is one of them. And hatters, this was like an occupational hazard for hatters, where a hatter could go mad because of uh, the mercury handling. Exposure, yeah exposure to mercury so while the mad hatter in alice in wonderland is a fictional character it's mad. based on a real yeah a real problem in uh in a workplace all based around hats yeah and the mad hatter is actually my favorite character in alice in wonderland because i truly enjoyed going down this kind of interesting uh windy road of where history can take you when you're doing uh, research on a very specific topic and anybody who's you don't have to be a historian to have wanted to uh, look up something even if you just google something like you you could be doing anything in your daily life and say i wonder where this came from and you google it and it could take you in all kinds of different directions and that was the whole point okay <laughs> so i thought this was super cool i really enjoyed um going down the rabbit hole so Thank you very much. Yeah,
0: thank you. That was really fun. Thanks for tuning in to our new podcast. If you have any ideas for what Kathleen and I should research, we'd love to hear them. You can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash St. Museum or on Twitter and Instagram at SDC museum. Tune in next time for our rabbit hole exploration of rowing. Excellent. You're probably going to win that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) One Hour in the Past is produced by us, Adrian Petrie and Kathleen Powell, and brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre and the City of St. Catharines.